Today, let's talk about applications that drive agility and operational excellence, not just on a whiteboard somewhere, but out in the real world where time is money. An industry under pressure, innovation in its finest hour. This is the Oil & Gas Technology Podcast, where sharp minds reveal the brilliance and sheer determination turning great ideas into new realities. Hear about how it happens in real life with your host, Michael O'Sullivan. The views of the host are expressly his own and should not be construed as the views of Nutanix or any other corporation, consortium, governing body, or interplanetary federation. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another exciting episode of Oil & Gas Technology Podcast. We got a couple of really interesting guests today, and we got a great topic that relates to project and portfolio management. But before we get into that, let's ask, as we always do, for reviews. Please, if you're a listener, give us a review. It's really the best way that we can know if we're doing a good job or if we're not doing a good job. So if you like it, leave a good review. And if you think we could be doing something better, then leave a review that says that and tell us what we need to do differently. Um, All of that helps. Also, I want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Cognite. Thanks to them for paying the bills. And we'll say a little bit more about them at the end. The two, we are, I'm not in anybody's office or at the Canyon today. We're actually doing this online because we're in different cities. And so connected in, I have Glenn Healy, from Appian. And we also have a gentleman named Bruce Taylor from Sinclair Oil. So I'm going to actually let them tell you a little bit about who they are, what they're doing. Glenn, let's start with you and then we can hand off to Bruce. Well, I appreciate that, Michael. Thanks for the time and and really look forward to the discussions. I've been with Appian a little over 10 years and excited to share a little bit about Appian Who. For those who are not familiar with the organization, I'm located out of Dallas and uh, cover specifically the oil and gas segments for Appian. Excellent. Yeah. In fact, I think you and I ran into each other a few weeks ago, didn't we? We were at the, no, where were we? We were at Churrasco's down in Sugarland when you, yeah, when you were doing the pitch podcast with Warren Spiewak. That was a good time. Bruce. You want to talk a little bit about who you are? Absolutely. Thank you, Michael. Thanks for the opportunity. Boy, you mentioned Churrasco's. I I consider myself a a Houston boy, even though I'm in Salt Lake City now. You mentioned Churrasco's and you get my taste buds rolling. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Tough way to start. Yeah, Bruce Taylor. I'm Sinclair Oil. The title I carry right now is Director of Digital Transformation, which is open to interpretation a lot of times as to what that exactly means, and maybe we can get into that during this discussion. Been in oil and gas space, walked in my first refinery in 1978 after coming out of 10 plus years aerospace, in fact, down in Clear Lake City at NASA Johnson Space Center. My background and my focus is not in chemical engineering or in refining per se, but I came in as a information technology individual. That was back in the year in 1978, and we were going from analog and pneumatic instruments or, you know, to putting in control systems and a lot of digital technology. So I've got a pretty broad background working both in four various vendors, service providers and consulting ranks, but then switched gears and went to work for owner-operators and retired from Suncor Energy about five years ago and then got tired of retirement and and you know, I went to work for Sinclair Oil for the last four and a half, five years. 
Excellent. Excellent. Tired of retirement. That's, yeah, you don't hear that a whole lot, but what's <laughs> it's good to be doing stuff. So let's get to the topic here. And the audience has to bear with us because we are all in different places and it's not the same as when we're all sitting in the same room. But we got a topic that pertains to operational excellence and as it relates to project and portfolio management. There's a lot of this out there in the industry right now. So you know, there's all these pressures on the industry and people are pushing thing, everything that has to do with efficiency and agility and every part of the business, you know, back office systems. I was talking with somebody the other day about automation and contract management. We see all these initiatives out in field operations and process controls and analytics there. Glenn, maybe you could tell us this particular story that we're going to tell today like where does it fit into the overall landscape in the industry of trying to push operational excellence into different parts of the business? That's a good question, and, and you know Bruce will tell his story better than any. But in general, Appian is a is a platform that enables organizations to take very manual type of task and people based task and paper based and you know, they're very heavy in, in process and orchestration and who does what next and data. As you mentioned, you know, across disparate systems and where do I find the data and how do I have to, you know, get to it and re-enter it and move it and to get to the next task. And, you know, when you talk about project portfolio management and Bruce is going to get to that, it's, there's a lot of things going on when you, you know, you look at whether it's a, a refinery shutdown turnaround or it's a build of a new pad in wells. There's a lot of people involved, a lot of Things that need to occur from supplies to the execution to the work and the delivery and who's up next and parts and repairs and and, and all along trying to monitor the health and safety around who's doing what and are we doing any conformance that's you know regulatorily safe and safe for everybody involved. So there's, there's a lot of things moving around and, and just the cost. So anytime you can look at something that challenging and look to digitize that and leverage the platform to create an application and really an orchestration layer that allows you know the people processing data to be orchestrated along your process in managing and, and keeping alert of your KPIs and your systems. You know, trying to do that and writing code and building applications, it, it would take years and Bruce can attest to that. But leveraging a platform like Appian that's considered a low code development platform allows you to bring in the workflow and the robotic process automation and the intelligence artificially, the business rules, and really manage that all in one platform, become the orchestrator of that. So very exciting to you know dig more into how Bruce and his organization used it, but very similarly, you know, whether it's in, like I said, contractor management or inventory management or production management, asset management, supply chain, these are all very important processes to organizations and trying to do more with less is more and more important today to try to digitize. Right. Yeah, it's good. You know, so you mentioned bringing these new applications to bear on these things. And, you know, that's not a new idea. I mean, we've been, I grew up in the IT consulting world and we were creating new applications for people all the time. The difference was, you know, back some, you know, back in olden times, like 15 years ago, or even just a few years ago, if you said, we want to create a new application to address, you know, to bring some business process automation or whatever it was, like that was a major undertaking, right? There was, it was like not for the faint of heart. And the other problem was you didn't want to have too many of these applications. You didn't want to be like creating a new application for everything. So 
I think it's interesting. And as we listen to how you guys are doing this, if I understand correctly, these types of platforms are kind of taking that the burdensomeness out of that whole decision, right? Because the other thing we used to do is, do we buy something or do we build something? Well, if we build something that's going to take a really long time and it's going to, well, the one thing we know is that it's going to take longer and cost more than whatever anybody tells us it's going to take. And those were burdensome times, right? And so it sounds like from what you're saying that what you've done in some respect is kind of pull that burden out so that the decision about creating a new application can really be focused on on the business value and not weighing so much like how difficult this is going to be is that i mean is that fair to say absolutely and that's you know with enough time and money you can do a lot of things so the point is can i do it quickly can i do it cost effectively and is this agile enough to be sustainable for the next 10 years i don't i don't want to be creating an application that my business can't change on the fly and be able to make the changes to the systems and the processes. So exactly, a, a platform like this allows companies to address that technical debt where they've created these silos of systems, silos within their departments, silos of the data around the process. So, you know, it's very, sure. very important to do right. with that. And one key point is the Forrester did a recent release in a research, but with a platform like Appian, you can do it 20 times faster. So if you're wondering, you know, if you're thinking about an application that you need to either build or modernize and you're thinking, well, I, you know, it's looking like, you know, it's going to take a year. Well, think about two months now. Think about two right. weeks. Think about two days to create applications. That's what these platforms allow you to do. Right. And you mentioned an important thing, which is because the other thing that used to factor into those decisions was if we buy something off the shelf, then it's only going to do a percent of a portion of what we really need. And we got to deal with the vendor. And, and it's, you know, if we build something, then we can make it do exactly what we need. But now we have to support it. And we have to maintain it. And if it changes, right, all of that. On the other side, if we buy it from the vendor, then we got to hope that they change it in the way. So what you just described sort of like clears out that concern as well, right? So you can just kind of get down to the business of, you know, creating something that you need. It's agile and it's adaptable and, and kind of sounds too good to be true, maybe. So it's going to be interesting to hear Bruce's story about how he went down that road really quickly, though. You know, and Bruce, maybe you, you can comment on this before you get really into your story, but why would somebody want to do this with this particular type of application, project and portfolio management? First, maybe explain what kind of project portfolio are we talking about in the oil and gas industry? And like, what's to be gained or what are the stakes here? What happens if somebody, what happens to a company that says, ah, you know, it's not really important. We can just do it the way we've always done it. What would be the motivation to pursue this? The main driver, especially in today's market, is the word agility or flexibility. The market's shifting, changing very rapidly. And with that, what we're talking about with respect to projects is your capital spend, mainly your capital spend. Large activities like defining the scope of large turnarounds or large physical projects that are going in, adding units, undertaking, you know, implementation of new process technologies. Refineries are always changing. They're always upgrading, you know, their catalyst technology, various processing technologies are changing all the time. Metallurgy is changing, you know any of that capital spend, but it's all driven by, there's a number of different factors that come into play because a lot of it can be regulatory driven, either by OSHA regs or by environmental performance or, you know, other 
drivers from the legislative side, either local leaders. And you have to be able to respond to the market conditions because, you know, the high variability in crude pricing and market shifts going from gasoline to diesel economies and back and forth. You want to be able to look at your total commitment of capital spend and make, you know, the best decision possible in what you're going to maybe defer, maybe what you're going to put on hold, maybe what you're going to accelerate. You always want to be able to, you know, at the drop of a hat, given as fast as the market shifts or market can shift, say, okay, I've got to cut 10% out or things have really opened up, you know, what projects are burning on the backlog that we, you know, we can pull forward. And to have that portfolio and to be able to look at it from all of the risk factors, all of the business factors, be able to look at that in almost a real time, understand what's been contractually committed. You know, it's maybe something that you would ideally like to slow down, but based on the pre-orders and the commitments you've made, you know, it's not financially able to do it. And so there's many things that got to play into it. And so to have that portfolio to say, hey, I can react and I'm going to you know, make the best decision possible on how I'm going to adjust my capital spending. So, so just for perspective, because maybe a lot of people listening aren't always involved in this aspect of the business. I mean, everything you're describing sounds like something that, that people have been doing all along mm-hmm. in one way or another. So how's it been done Traditionally, how have people looked at their capital spend, made decisions, understood their portfolio, reprioritized, especially, I would think, in an industry like this one where it's so cyclical and it's so, I mean, you know, it's a commodity based market that we're with huge capital operations and huge amounts of risk. So, surely people running operators and and oil field service companies surely that they've worked out ways of making these decisions and sorting this out you know in years past right so yeah. what what did it look like what was broken about it and what's not good enough as we go forward kind of in the new conditions everybody has been doing it to some degree and i've you know prior to my current position i've, I've worked across many many pl- plants globally and everybody had their own approach to it of how they wanted to do it there was Often, unfortunately, a lot of Excel involved, spreadsheets and that. But if you if you look at a if you look at a project, almost most of the the organizations have what's called a front end loading process or an FEL process, where they go through a series of stage gates to take an I you know, and each stage is taking an idea, taking it through a preliminary evaluation, then taking it through a preliminary design, and then a you know, then the detailed engineering design and they're they're looking at the viability and, and taking in stages through up to the point of committing contracts and committing to construction. So most organizations do have a stage gate process. And unfortunately, you know, while they all follow some some mechanism, there's a lot of local culture that gets embedded and right. where they've taken their established work processes and it's, it can be impacted by the organization and how the, their organization has matured over the last number of years. Also, it, it can be the stage gate process can be impacted by and be different from site to site based on what kind of contractual relationships they have with their EPC firms and so on. 
as to how much they do in-house and, and outside. And there are, you know, there are commercial portfolio management systems out there. But for our particular purposes, when I looked at all of the key performance and decision metrics that are associated with the project, we already had large investments. And I think this is the real key point in Appian, and especially in the oil and gas space. Everybody has spent a lot of money over the last couple of decades in technology. There's no shortage of technology. Sure, right. And most of some of the major branded players, I mean, it's in the billions of dollars that they've, they've you know, put in place. And so when you start looking at portfolio management saying, okay, how much is it going to cost me? How much have I contractually committed? What percentage am I complete? You know, the earned value metrics that are associated with the project, you know, these companies do have, they're running, you know, they've developed work breakdown structures and put them into project management tools. They've done all the resource loading. They usually have some kind of maintenance or work management system where they generate the work orders and they track all of the hours and the spend. They've got some kind of contractual management systems. They've got AP, you know, how much did I spend? against those contracts and all of that. I've got gate log, you know, gate systems to track, you know, resources coming through the gate to work on projects. You have all of the components. And we had a very well vetted, established stage gate process. And so when we looked at different portfolio management systems, it would cause change. You know, some of them could adapt to the way we did things. Some could connect to some of our existing data structures. But there was, you know, I personally, based on my 40 plus years of experience, I've always loved the concept of the Lego block approach. Right. I've got all these components. What I need is something to tie it together. And I've worked with various, you know, third generation, fourth generation programming languages and other low code environments. But what we really put in place was we said, you know, we've got the contract information, we've got the financial information, we've got the time accounting and reporting system. I've got all these components. What I don't have is that overlay of what I call an orchestration layer. Right. So what we developed is starting that, you know, the idea capture on the front end is a form and then defining the workflow process through to get it approved to go to the First stage gate, FEL1, attaching all of the required deliverables out of FEL1 for review, flowing that to the people that have to approve it or review it and approve it for the next stage gate, capturing all the hours and costs expended, capturing the class five estimates. You know, that's where Appian really shined because what we were able to do is you know, provide that orchestration layer to use the systems of record that were already in place and just, you know, putting a layer in that gave it that portfolio management where I could aggregate all of the por- all of the project information in one place for all projects. So I could do that, compare and contrast and understand what progress was being made, where projects were going to, you know, were having trouble, which were, you know, doing exceedingly well, you know, be able to do resource load balancing between, you know, 
on my engineering staff. You know, having it all pulled together in one place as opposed to have to go into the the work order system, you know, what, right, what are all the individuals? Yeah, right. going into the so, financial so, system, you know, what's been contracted, how much has been paid, how much is outstanding, right. how much is pending. Let's pause just for a second and maybe back up to, so you've laid out, this was the scenario, you had all these disparate systems. Wouldn't it be great if I had something that ties it all together? So Glenn, how did you guys get teamed up on this? And maybe a little bit of like, as you were looking at this, you know, Bruce has this vision. You were looking at that. You know, what were you thinking in terms of what you guys could do and, and bring value? And how did you come to the conclusion that you're going to team up and, and work on this solution? Well, I didn't work firsthand with Bruce. He was working with members of my sales team. But in all cases, when we engage, you know, with our customers or our prospects that are, you know, looking for um, technology to help and, and often, you know, are they thinking about low-code platform? Are they thinking about business process management uh, type of technologies? Are they thinking about case management? So really for us it's to sit with a client and understand what are their challenges with their, you know, operations perhaps, or maybe it's their compliance issues. Or So it can be in all different parts of the business, whether it's in the back office, the front office, whether it's in delivery of field services. So it's a platform that can create and address these, you know, integrations across any of these paradigms. But within Bruce, you know, looking at the refineries and how they're managing those, you know, we had some experience there with other customers that we knew it was a very challenging situation when they get into this large project management. We knew there was opportunity to reduce the inefficiencies that were there because, you know, when you're engaged in helping one client and you know there's others doing very similarly, you know you've just walked the day in their shoes, as they would say. So sure, knowing sure. that, being able to come and articulate, say, yes, we've done this, and we know you sh- you're likely facing these type of challenges, and it may not be all exactly, but that's where we kind of get into a discovery and understanding of, you know, there's more pain on this side than that side because we've done some, you know, maybe integration or, or process improvements here. But, you know, in some organizations, and like Bruce, there, a lot of it was the gaps between the existing systems and tools they had the handoff between work from one person or handoff from one system to entering data to another system. And, you know, when you're thinking about your ERPs and you're thinking about your, your asset tools and your Maximos and your SAPs and your databases, and then you think about the process in which they're going through, you know, if we can have that orchestration layer being the single user interface, even perhaps taking that information from people to people, system to system, people to system, and orchestrate it in accordance with how they want to do their business, and that business could change next week, and so could the application. So really right. doing that, Bruce really you know, was looking for that flexible, agile type of solution that he could continue to you know, process improvement is a lifetime job, not just, hey, we're going to work on this for six weeks and we're done. You always want to be looking towards that in, in continuous improvement. Right. Yeah. I think you hit on something that's really, I mean, the handoffs, the issue of handoffs sort of plagues this industry. I know it's a challenge in a lot of industries, but oil and gas in particular, it doesn't matter whether you're looking at like in a refinery environment, like we're talking about here with Sinclair, if you're talking about upstream with all the different technical disciplines. I mean, there's so much lost historically in this industry. So much is lost in the handoffs because of systems that don't really talk to each other, different types of data, all of those things. So that's a huge area for, you know, if you can just smooth those out, then, you know, it does so much goodness. But that's also an area where people say, are a little skeptical, right? They're like, yeah, people have been talking about doing that for a long time, breaking down silos. Sure, 
right? But the reality is this thing looks nothing like that thing and they're never going to get it, right? People don't, aren't always big believers in the ability that this is possible. So, so Bruce, obviously you believed that it was possible and now you're kind of on the other side of it and presumably you were successful. Otherwise, you know, we wouldn't be on a podcast talking about it. So what does success look like in this situation? And now that you're on the other side of it, what does the world look like for the people that are getting the benefit of, of this solution? Yeah, I'll be, you know, in all honesty, we're, we're in the very early phases of the first of the first deployment. But we've got, you know, a whole set of development sprints that the pe- first people using it are, are going, you know, kind of do this, do this, do this. And in all cases, the answer is yes. I think really the differentiator, there's, you know, there's no shortage of opinions and, you know, software tools and capabilities in the market. And they all pretty much declare the same, you know, you know, the, <laughs> the same storyline. Storyline now is digital transformation. Everything you read is digital transformation. But I really take it to heart from the perspective and of what the oil and gas and energy industry in general, I feel, has really been lagging industry. When you take a look at, say, you know, entertainment or travel or you know the hotel business and that, you know, transformation is you know, the way you do your commercial banking or manage your portfolio and that, and you do it yourself, you do it online, it's intuitive, there's no training. That's what I wanted to achieve. Right. So did you? I mean, is that is that what you're... It's a principle. I've got a set of operating principles that I go by, and they're pretty well driven by, you know, 40 plus years of experience again as, as to where I've succeeded most of my career and, and where I've run into the most trouble. And basically, if you take somebody who's been in a job for 10 plus years and I put a system in place and I have to put them into a couple of days of training how to figure it, I really miss the boat. Mm-hmm. You know, it's users and culture. What's the old saying? You know, culture eats strategy for lunch. Right. <laughs> That's right. And so, you know, the approach we've taken is the fact that there's been a well-vetted process and terminology and a workflow that everybody understands. It's well-documented. It's institutionalized in the operating culture. And yes, I could have gone out and, you know, there's a number of portfolio management systems out there in the market you could have gone to, but I'd have had to gone through big changes within the environment. And in a lot of cases, not only that, as I said, you know, I would be replicating a lot of data in those systems, you know, that already existed where I could get at it through either web services or APIs. And so putting this orchestration layer on that totally maps 100% to the terminology and the workflow and the process that everybody's using already. So instead of filling out a PDF form and emailing it to somebody, they just log in and, you know, there's the form, basically pretty much the same thing they saw before, but greatly simplified because we put a lot of intelligence behind it for pick lists and, you know, to you know, auto-generate things like project numbers and things like that. You know, the familiarity with what they are doing, I don't have to go in and say, okay, guys, you know, the way you did it before, it's kind of like that, but here's what it looks like, you know. Right. It's huge. If you can, I mean, if you can make it look like what they're already used to, then, you know, in fact, that's what I was going to, I was going to ask you, which is like, so what does it look like? 
to people, you know, who are, I mean, obviously they probably still go into the regular systems that they've used in the past, but now, like you said, instead of these little in-between manual steps, they have something a little bit more elegant, right? And then the data all like flows on a common backbone is what I'm hearing basically, right? Yeah. So within the environment, I mean, on all these deliverables that come out of these stage gates that the project engineers had to do, there's a replication of field content say like a project number, a work, you know, a master work order number, you know, there are elements that carry across all these forms. They don't have to reproduce those anymore. It's all in a proper SQL data structure. So when they create the idea, it gets a number, it gets, you know, all of those elements associated with it. All of that cascades forward into the, into the charter and all of the other elements that they have to produce within the life cycle of the project. And there's no opportunity for you know, fat fern urine, the wrong number in or anything like that. So, you know, it's it's the process that they know, the terminology they understand, the workflow, instead of having to ship something via email and then follow up with a phone call, did you get my email? And you open the attachment, you know, or understand, did they read it? Did they look at it? You know, have they established a disposition? Do they have any comments? All of that being captured and returned and archived, you know, they go like, this is better. (laughs) Yeah, well, sure. And I mean, even just the problem that you incur when if something has been in your inbox for more than 35 minutes, it's already pushed out of the main view, right? And then then people tend to forget that it's there at all. Right. But there are a couple other things is that with the platform was the richness of, of connections out of the box and the, the number of, you know, services that are inherent and the number of widgets and capabilities to assemble this code. We had with the COVID, for example, the we had to start managing the contractors coming through sites. So we had to put in an approval process and the first immediate response is, well, fill out an Excel form, submit it to safety for review, and you can turn the badges on. You know, we did that in a week. Automated the form, automated the workflow. They they got an approval back of who could come in, and you know it. Yeah, so to do anything in a week is pretty is pretty remarkable. I mean, I think that was kind of where I was going next with this was to say, okay, it sounds very utopian, especially to anybody who's been you know in the in the guts of operations for some period of time. How hard is it if I'm sitting out there in the listening audience right now and I'm thinking? Oh, man, we need one of those. And I hope it comes in blue, right? <laughs> I mean, because until you said low code, I never heard that before. And all I know is our stuff is a mess. So how do you get from that and maybe somebody who doesn't have the benefit of a Bruce Taylor to come in with 40 plus years of experience? How do I take action on this type of initiative? And how hard is it? How long does it take? It's amazing in that I'll give you an idea is the, the contractor access management of putting together the application where project managers had to put in a request for the contractors to come through site. It had to flow to safety to the plant manager and, and get returned and everything. As a worst case scenario, I took a admittedly a senior developer coder, but who had never touched or worked with Appian, and that's who had it up in a week. The amount of online support and help tutorials that, you know, were available. And the biggest thing, the amazing thing was in that form, 
what I saw is the huge differentiator, not only in the in the library of connectors and all of the capabilities to support the integration, the dock management that's inherent within the, the tool. The other huge thing is the rendering cross-platform. We build it, build it once, and I don't care if the engineer's got his own personal, you know, iPhone or Android device or tablet or working from a PC at home. It rendered 100%. It was, you know. Wow. Wow. So we didn't have to, on none of our activities to date, have we had to make concessions or, you know, special effort to make it totally transparent across platforms. To me, it was just amazing. That is amazing. So Glenn, did Bruce just get lucky with all this? Or is this an approach that's actually repeatable and that other people can, like, we have a way of doing this and it looks like this and it, and it works for people? Good point. And it is repeatable. And that's exactly why Appian exists, is to make custom applications very easy, very powerful, and very flexible. So to Bruce's point, if you can create a solution that requires no training, and but it can cut out 50% of the inefficiencies in the operating or the processing time and deploy it across any device, mobile included, without any additional development or cost. So this is all real. There's no Nirvana. Appian exists for just this purpose. We have guarantees where anyone technical could be trained in two weeks. That was another example Bruce had put out there. And we also have another guarantee for how quickly we can deploy your first application in eight weeks or less. So those are two powerful statements in themselves right there. The best way to kind of get engaged with Appian is is get a free trial. You know, go to appian.com and you can get a free trial. It's all up in the cloud, meaning all you need is a web browser to get access and create your own application, go through all the tutorial and training and information so you can learn about the platform, but also get a hands-on experience to say, wait, let me think about my process, my forms, my people. And, you know, by the end of this little free trial training that you get, you, you might have an application that you can think about, you know, putting into production to deploy. So, I mean, that is remarkable. I think I'm actually going to, when we're done with this, I may go try it myself just to see if you're really telling the truth. But I do know, I think I remember when we were at Tarasco's, didn't you mention something about drawing applications, right? I mean, you're basically drawing applications. And yeah. You could think about a Visio like type of plat, you know, palette. That's exactly how Appian's applications get created. All these objects are just a drag and drop. So you're dragging a component for a user interface, and I'm dragging a component for integration to a system, and then I'm creating a rule, and then I'm creating a split and a join. And so if you can think about the application and think about how the day in the life of this process goes, this is how we create these applications. So if you can think about it, you can create it. That is amazing. And I think about what it took to create applications like I said, back in olden times. And it's things, you know, it's innovations like this sometimes that make me think that the matrix is probably real. <laughs> because yeah. if you can if you can do that, and it would be great to, I would love to talk about this some more, but we're kind of, we're actually a little bit over time. So probably need to wrap it up, but we might be able to, it'd be interesting, I think, you know, since Bruce said that they're in the early stages of deployment, it might be interesting maybe for us to do a follow-up, you know, sometime in the future or something and say, how's it going? How's it turning out? You know, what were the lessons learned? What were the things that, because people always, you always hear about projects sort of either, you always hear about projects either when they're being planned or when they're underway or when they just finished. (laughs) But it's kind of like, you know, on Amazon, when you're looking at a product, you always want to read the reviews of the people 
who've had it for a while and say, you know, how, okay, is it still working as beautifully as it was that day when you took it out of the box? So it would be great to do a follow-up. But in the meantime, if people want to know more about either one of you guys or your companies or what you're doing, what are some good ways that they can they can find out more? For me, Michael, best way is just in LinkedIn, just Bruce Taylor, Sinclair Oil, and you'll find me. I'm the only one. I found you pretty easily, so I think everybody else probably be able to find you. Okay, great. And Glenn, what do you guys have like, out like there? Myself, a LinkedIn is a good means to reach out, and it's Glenn with two N's, Healy, and Appian is a group I'm with, and yeah, been in the space for you know 20 plus years around business process management, and, and no, this didn't happen overnight. You know, this technology has been making its way slow as you get there, but it has arrived, and it's great to see our customers become heroes within their own organizations because you know what they're able to do now. So it's exciting, and I look forward to uh, you know to pick up this conversation, and perhaps we can invite our friends from Halliburton maybe to join us as well and talk about their success and journeys as well. Similar to uh, Michael, he had an opportunity to meet with them before he made his initial decision at our customer event. So likewise, hearing from others and, and how they use yeah, it, lessons learned, that was powerful. That'd be great, and that's Appian.com, right? A P P I N.com. Exactly. Yes, it's the website. Okay, great. I want to thank you guys for being on the show today. Really interesting. I mean, these are the this is the guts of how the business runs, and it's encouraging to know that there's hope for all of those cumbersome, tiresome processes that people have been dealing with for so many years. Speaking of amazing innovations, there's also some amazing things going on at Cognite, who is the relatively new sponsor of the show, and they're doing some great things with industrial data and making it contextual, making it intuitive, and actually making it usable simultaneously by both uh, humans and applications. It's cool stuff. Also, we are doing these tech product reviews. If you want us to, at OGGN, if you want us to review a product, it has to be something that can fit through the front door or at least into the garage. And, you know, just like we have in the past, send us the product, we'll do a review, and then we will talk about it on the show. Also want to mention Warren Spiewak and the street team who are more or less on the virtual streets right now, not so much on the physical streets, but that is a great way to get involved and do some great things with OGGN and for the industry. There's a Facebook group and a bunch of other information that will be in the show notes. All of this that I said will be in the show that we, we talked about will be in the show notes in terms of how you can get in touch with Glenn or Bruce and Appian. So look there if you want to know more. That's it for this episode. Thank you guys for being with us here. And we are making sure that you, the audience, doesn't get left behind one episode at a time. And here are the events on deck. Hey, everybody. It's Savannah from OGGN. And here are the events on deck for October 2020. We've got about five events this month, three of which are online, one of which is in person, and one of which is both. First up, we have the Houston Energy Breakfast Virtual Conference on the 6th, which is about embracing the evolving market landscape, and that'll be online. Second, we have Adipec 2020, which is an interactive online event going on from the 9th to the 12th. Third, we have OGGN and API Houston Chapter Presents, the opening of the Deep Cavango Basin, which will be live streamed directly to LinkedIn and other platforms from the event in downtown Houston on the 10th. Fourth, we have the Energy API 3-Gun Challenge on the 13th, which is in person at the Ranch Shooting Club in Eagle Lake, Texas. Last, we have the Downstream Leadership Forum, which will be our last event of the month from the 19th to the 20th, and that'll be online. 
Other than these events, I believe OGGN will be hosting some live streams this month, so make sure to check out our Facebook, LinkedIn, or our website for more information about any of the live streams we have coming up. That's all for November. I hope you guys have a great month, and thanks for tuning in. Check us out next week for another entertaining and yet useful episode of Oil & Gas Tech Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com. (laughs) 